Welcome. You're listening to the Best Tech Practices for Small Organizations podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Wells, and this podcast is presented by NW Techs and is designed to educate small and medium-sized organizations on the best practices for managing their IT. We cover topics ranging from cybersecurity to business communication to file storage to working remotely. In this episode, we're continuing our series titled Law Firms and Technology. This series, we're highlighting law firm leaders from around the world and learning from their best practices for managing technology. In this episode, I have the privilege of talking to Jacqueline Newman. Jacqueline Newman joined BBNS LLP in 1988 and is now the managing partner of the law firm. Ms. Newman's practice consists of litigation, collaborative law, and mitigation. She specializes in complex high network marital cases and also negotiating prenuptial agreements. Ms. Newman is the author of the book, New Rules of Divorce, 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth, Health, and Happiness. She has appeared as an expert commentator on various television and radio shows and has been quoted as an expert in numerous publications, including Fox Business, NBC News, ABC News, The New York Times, and many more. Thanks for joining us, Jacqueline. Thanks so much for having me. I do just want to say it's actually 1998 I started. I don't want to be older than I already am. <laughs> Sorry for misquoting. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, let's jump right into the questions. First question is really, what are you and maybe your firm as a whole, what are you looking forward to when it comes to technology transformation and utilizing technology in the long run? So, I mean, as you can imagine, and I'm sure most people are going through this, where technology has taken a much larger role than it probably ever has, being that, you know, we're all in this you know, working remotely the way that we are. I mean, we're in the middle of New York City, so in Midtown Manhattan. And so my office, we have not been back in our office since March of 2020. So it's been a long time. We are now based on technology, relying on technology in a way that, well, we did a little bit before, it's nothing like it is now. Mm. And, you know, it, it's been an interesting shift. Um, I think it's actually been, you know, if I'm going to look at perks of the situation, I think it's been a really good shift. And I see it something that we're going to go forward on. You know, when we talk about technology, you know, technology, we, you know, we moved up to the cloud, which was something that we were actually looking to do before COVID hit. And then okay. obviously then we, ha it happened during while we were, you know, going through all of this and it's been fantastic. Um, and obviously, you know, all the zooms, I mean, now we do, even mm. our court dates are on, uh, you know, are all virtual. And so we are really living in a full virtual world. I see it continuing that way. And, you know, the things I'm looking forward to is really making things, you know, they've been fairly smooth, but even smoother going forward. Very cool. I love it. You mentioned a lot of things there, working remotely, cloud hosted tools, Zoom and video conferencing tools. What's one thing uh, your organization, when you're trans, when you're kind of going to the cloud, what was one big hiccup that it was like either going paperless or, you know, migrating your systems to the cloud? What was one thing that was a sticking point or were you able to seamlessly kind of move to the cloud once the pandemic started? So it's funny. My answer was it was probably, a, I wouldn't say seamless by any means. There were definitely challenges that went with it. I would say if you talk to my operations manager, she would probably have a totally different story about this. <laughs> but uh, from my perspective, I mean, again, not seamless. We went through, you know, when we were ultimately going to the cloud itself was okay. I mean, we hired somebody to, you know, move a lot of our information, 
you know, the things that we struggled with is that we basically were changing our document programs. We were changing a bunch of different programs. And, you know, we met with certain companies that we thought were going to be able to do certain things that they weren't. So when we were doing all this kind of at the same time, because of the fact we were all going up to the cloud. So mm. there were a lot of challenges, whether it was because we were trying to do too much at once or whether it was the people we were working with on some level, um, you know, we, we got through it and so far so good. But, you know, things that we struggled with you know, as an organization and specifically in a law firm is that, you know, we've been doing things the same way for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, lawyers historically do not like change. And so it, mm -hmm. it was very difficult. I mean, we've had all sorts of, you know, situations where we now have dual authentication. You know, mm -hmm. I will speak for myself while I am obsessed with the idea of not getting hacked. And, you know, I upped my cyber insurance and did all sorts of things because I was paranoid about it. When mm -hmm. it came to me having to do dual, you know, basically I try to get into my cloud and then I have to use my phone and use my watch. And I, I was very irritated. <laughs> I was like, this is, <laughs> I was like, can't there just be something where it's like, I do it once. And she's like, no, that's the whole point. <laughs> like, you can't yeah. do it once. And so, so, you know, we had a lot of pushback on that, uh, me being one of them, even though I really I was the one who wanted it. And yet when it was happening, I found it very irritating. But now I will say it's become you know commonplace and I just know I have to have something else around me if I want to get into the cloud. And, and, I, and I do feel good about it. But yes, there was definitely a lot of resistance with all that. And, and you mentioned paperless. The one thing I want to say about that, well, it is my dream of all dreams to be paperless. And I think that we are moving toward it. We're okay. definitely not there yet. <laughs> That's what I hear from a lot of other people, and especially the court systems aren't there yet, and or just the internal law firm operations aren't there yet. One little side note, do you guys implement a password manager in your organization? Is that something you guys have? Implemented? When you say a password manager, meaning... Tell me what like you mean one, by that, and I can answer. Yeah, like there's tools like One Password or LastPass, um, and it's basically a, a vault where you store all your passwords right. and, and sensitive logins. If that's not something your organization does, something I would definitely talk to your operations manager or your IT department because that will help with the MFA that that multi-factor authentication where the you know the annoying text message codes or the authenticator right. apps you have to download. Yeah, they're super cool. I think I save 15 minutes a day using a password manager, and it's a great place to have you know be able to create unique passwords and and also increases your security exponentially. So I will say, helpful. I think my, my office manager has something like that, but I won't okay. say, you know, I don't think each of us individually do in any way. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Maybe and we that's, should. <laughs> yeah, it's something to look into. And it's, um, it's, it's a newer technology. It's, you know, it's most organizations has uh, been, been in the past couple of years where people have been utilizing them a lot more, but we just have so many logins, right? Oh my gosh. I think our organization yes. probably has a hundred to 200 just company, you know, account logins that we use and then we share them amongst each other. And then if you have MFA on top of it, it's like, Hey, who's getting yeah. the text message code or what email address is it going to? And it can be yeah, a real it's hassle. Exhausting. <laughs> Definitely. But I love your uh, vigilance to being, you know, that you're like, hey, I know it's a pain, but it's important, right? And it's important right. to have that extra level of security. Super cool. Um, tell me about just working remotely um, long term. Do you plan, you know, post pandemic, presuming, you know, we can all come back into the office? Do you plan on everyone working back in the office long term? Do you want to do a hybrid model? What's your feel for that? It's an excellent question. And it is definitely the question of the moment. And I'm part mm -hmm. of a lot of managing partner mm -hmm. um, groups, and we're all talking okay. about that. Um, you know, so personally, you know, I've actually been working two days, uh, day, two days a week from home since my youngest daughter was born. So it's been about 14 years. So I've always oh, been doing cool. it on some level. So this, while it was a huge transition to not be in the office at all, at least I was sort of set up and I had everything together. 
you know, what's going to happen in the future is questionable. I think that, you know, my firm has been fantastic about maintaining its culture. Like we had Zooms. I mean, originally when it all started, we were having two Zooms a week, like the whole firm. Then mm-hmm. it, you know, eventually went down to one Zoom because as I said, I can't entertain people that long. Um, <laughs> but we ended up, so now we still have one Zoom. You know, we do have different offices. We have an office in Westchester. You know, our main office is Manhattan. We're actually looking to open right now in Long Island. And so the thing that, you know, when you talk about being remote and all of the, you know, these type of things, I do want to do certain things like my firm meetings, which used to be in person, I will forever now do remote because Mm -hmm. I will do virtually. I mean, because it was able to connect us to our Westchester office and to bring them into a culture in a way that wouldn't have probably happened otherwise. And now that we're branching into Long Island, I want to be able to do that too. I think there's just a lot to be said for the culture. But on the the other end, when you talk about the idea of us forever staying remote, beyond the fact that I'm paying very, very expensive rent on Fifth Avenue, um, we're in a situation where I do think there's something to be said for people being together. So it's going to be a balance. Um, We had talked about the idea of people working from home. I think I was always, while I knew I was doing it and I was billing a ton, I was always scared that somebody else wouldn't. And then how do you take that away when you've already given it to somebody and especially when, you know, a lot of people have young children at home and all the balancing that goes with it, um, you know, this forced us to have them do it. And it forced us to see that it, it actually works on some level, um, you know, some better for some people than others. But we have seen that it's been somewhat successful. So I do think there'll be some hybrid going forward. What it will be, I don't know. I think we have a lot of people that commute into the city. So we're still not pushing anyone to go back um, mm-hmm. until people, everybody's vaccinated and we kind of figure it out. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a part of our world that probably I like to think maybe would have been in some way, but now definitely because we've uh, we were forced to test it, and now mm. we saw it work. That will definitely keep it going forward to some degree. Yeah, the hidden or the apparent side effects of the pandemic, uh, the good side effects in some ways of yeah. I think Microsoft um, recently came out with a study that said in 2020 there is almost 10 years of technology evolution and progression um, in their systems and across their tools, but then just across the board forced us all right to adapt. Yeah which is great. But then like you mentioned, you know, how do you maintain the culture, right? How do you maintain those relationships and collaboration and things like that? Two questions. Uh, the first one being, yeah, I, you mentioned collaborating with your team internally. So you have your kind of weekly Zoom meetings. What other tools do you use to collaborate internally? Do you guys use Slack or Microsoft Teams? Or is it kind of Zoom and email? Or yeah, how do you how do you guys mainly communicate internally? Yeah. So we never ended up putting, I know a lot of people spoke to me about Slack and we never ended up doing it. I mean, I think, you know, based the way that my firm is structured outside of, you know, the staff and the support and the staff, it's really, you know, we have cases like we have, we were a matrimonial law firm. So we have cases. And so whoever you're working on with your cases is who you're communicating with. I mean, I text constantly. I actually don't even have the patience for email. So like I text everyone. (laughs) Um, But we're not really doing any of those other internal systems. I will say, I do wonder that when the firm opens a little bit and you have some people in the office and some people not, I wonder if we'll do it more so um, because everybody will be specifically sitting at their computers. Like right now, I'm sure everybody's running around. So it's the phones are the easiest way to be doing Mm. things. But when everyone's at their computers, maybe we'll do it. I don't know. It hasn't something that we've discussed. I mean, it seems communication has been pretty fluid for the most part and people haven't said that there's been challenges. But if not, you know, I'm open to the idea of, you know, putting in some sort of other, you know, inter-office communication system. 
you piqued my interest around texting and kind of two questions are related to that. The first one being, have you had issues tracking activity or, you know, oh, you know, somebody texts somebody, but it wasn't recorded to the practice management software. There was no record of it. And then the correlated question with that is, do you text your clients and do your clients text you? So great questions. And the answer, I mean, you're, you hit it an issue that it does exist. So okay. do I text my clients? Yeah, now I do. Um, you know, that's one of the things that also happens is everyone get your cell phone because that's the way to best way to contact you. And I, I joke mm -hmm. with my younger associates. I say, as soon as you give a cell phone, put your client's name in there. So when they call you and it's mm -hmm. not a random number that you answer, like you need to know who's now contacting you if you want to ignore a call. But, um, so, but we mm -hmm. are texting and it does concern me because there are definitely things that sometimes clients are saying to me in a text that I do need a uh, record of. And so what I've been doing is I've been either forwarding that text to my, uh, to my you know, assistant who's been saving it, or I've been doing screenshots at times, not ideal. Nice. I mean, it's definitely yeah. not, you know, the way that this should be because we save every single email and every single communication. So this is one of those things where if this became much, you know, right now, I feel like we're all doing what we can to survive. And we're just like hoping totally. that none of this comes back and bites us one day. But yeah. if it becomes like a going forward situation, then I do think we'll probably have to have some sort of system in place to protect ourselves against the text. Because the last thing you want is somebody to say you said something or didn't say something and you have no proof of it. Totally. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to have the leading question because this has come up when in quite a few of the other interviews with other law firms and it's a common practice. So to your point, it's something that I think most law firms are doing. They're communicating with their clients via text and then internally with their team via text, just because of how convenient it is. And I imagine there's, there's definitely a lot of solutions that are out there that you can have more of a company level text messaging where you can receive text messages and send text messages from like a business phone number. And I imagine, and I actually just wrote a note down to research if there is an integration with like Slack or Teams where you could send outbound text messages because that's something that needs to happen. Because like you said, there's just, it's so convenient, right? Like we can't get around that. And if the clients demand it, or if it's just so convenient that they really appreciate it, then us as business owners and business leaders, we need to adapt our technology to kind of meet that. So I'm sure there's going to be solutions that are going to come out there where, you know, there's texting that's going to integrate with your practice management software, right? Where you can, we can track all that activity activity because it is so convenient and and it is becoming um, so much more popular as a form of marketing, but then also just client communication. Very cool. Um, let's move on to the kind of next question around communicating with your clients. And this was kind of going back to the office question and meeting in person and meeting over Zoom. Do your clients prefer, presumably you're, you're meeting with all your clients over Zoom currently or over the phone. Do your clients prefer to meet over Zoom or over the phone? Um, or do, do you think they prefer to meet in person? So, so far, most of my clients and not all, but most of them are fine with the phone. So we've done a lot of phones, you know, I mean, you know, I'm sure you're hearing all about Zoom fatigue and, mm. you know, I definitely, you know, I try to limit my Zooms to three a day if I can, because I just, I get exhausted from them. So if I have a client or if anyone that's willing not to meet on Zoom, I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. <laughs> <Right> here, <yeah. laughs> um, I was even excited that you didn't want to have, <laughs> you didn't yeah, have, have the video on for this. I was like, this I... is great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that most people are doing it that way. I mean, I think people are just living their lives in a more casual state at the moment and they don't really want me to see them either. And, mm. you know, when anytime that I'm even doing networking, I kind of take a position of, look, we know what each other look like. Like there's no reason for us to totally. be like, you know, showered and dressed, but <laughs> 
for many clients, you know, some do, some definitely do. And I can understand it. And those that do want to zoom, I always do because look, this is, you know, again, we're dealing with divorce. We're dealing with your children. We're dealing with, you know, such personal Mm. issues, all your money. It's Mm. like, if you want to see what I look like, I can totally understand that. Um, I will say it's interesting that we're having this call today. So one of my partners who's in my office right now in the city had his first in-person consult because the person wanted to come in and he lives in the city. And he was just so excited to have put on a full suit today. He's like, this is Uh great. He's like, it wasn't just my jacket and tie. He's like, I had pants on too. And he was so (laughs) excited about it. So it's kind of funny that you'd ask, but I do think I'm imagining that as vaccines go and as, you know, as the world starts to open up, that people are going to want to start meeting again in person. And so Mm. I'll be curious to see how that, how that happens. But, you know, I have a lot of international clients and so Zoom has been really great for them. And it's funny before this, I would, you know, talk to them on the phone and it wasn't even thought of to do a Zoom, even though I wasn't meeting Mm. them. But now that Zoom has become so commonplace, now a lot of my international clients do want to at least see what I look like. They want to watch my mannerisms. You know, they want me to see them. So the international people are all wanting to do Zooms now, which again, I find interesting because I've had so many cases, you know, throughout my career and no one ever consistently you know, said they wanted to do anything. Isn't that so funny? It's like the phone, the phone died like March, 2020, the phone, yeah, phone calls died. Like everything went to video and I miss phone calls. I mean, I think there's, uh, yeah, I think just like podcast and, you know, our listeners that are listening to this episode, it's really about the words you're saying, right? And and how you appear is important, obviously, you know, body language and, you know, video communications is just more, it is more intimate and that's why it's more exhausting is because you have to be so intentional and you're able to make that connection. But that being said, not all of them, kind of like you're saying, need to be um, over Zoom. And yeah, mm-hmm. phone calls, I think you can focus so much more on the words you're saying um, versus like, hey, you know, how are we looking or how, how am I you know, being on camera is just a whole nother ball game. And I think like what you mentioned, yeah, the zoom fatigue. So actually what we're doing now is, you know, we use, you know, uh, calendar schedulers like Calendarly or, or HubSpot and more people can book time on our calendar. We're actually asking people, Hey, do you want to be on camera or not? We, or we just like this to be an audio meeting, right. Or, or a phone meeting. Cause I think a lot of people don't want it. And I think a lot of people would right. prefer just to talk on the phone, especially if you've already met them, you know, once before over zoom or in person, just go straight to the phone. I think the other thing about the zooms and, and it's hard because where you're looking sometimes can look, you know, deceiving. And so people will think you're not paying attention to them. And then if you're, Mm. you're you're almost awkwardly staring straight at someone, as opposed to if we were in a room together and something flew by, I would like turn. But if you do that, you feel like you're not paying attention to the person. And it's, it's a very different dynamic. And while I Mm. do understand why people want to feel that energy and stuff, I think it, there's such an artificial element to it. I mean, you're only seeing people from like the shoulders up and, you know, Mm. it's been interesting for us when you, you know, some of the answer, like address some of the other things you raised is we've hired three people throughout the pandemic. And, you know, while I did go and meet them, so many of my people, you know, I was like joking. I was like, most people don't even know if these people have legs. Like we have no idea, (laughs) you know, it's like you have, it's been very, very challenging to create the culture um, and to teach and to do all Mm. the things we would normally do when, you know, all of our interactions are on zoom. And so it's just the whole thing. It's, it's such a, odd thing like this whole pandemic as a whole I kept saying like if this was a movie I would totally go see it like it's so interesting (laughs) all the things that have happened and the way that the culture and the world has learned to communicate and you know the after effects of it are going to be so enormous but it's very very interesting but the point is you know to going back to your zoom thing I think that you know I, I would prefer usually 
to, you know, obviously do a phone call. But I'll tell you, the other day I had a court call with a client who I've been working with for probably about eight or nine months, never saw them. I didn't even realize I didn't see them. And then I saw them for the first time in court. I was like, oh my God, this person looks so different than what I ever envisioned, (laughs) which was really interesting. And I wondered, you know, if you, you know, people obviously have, you know, notions of people when they see them and stuff like Mm. that. And, you know, it's interesting if you're so blindly having relationships with people without having any sense what they look like or what their mannerisms is. I just Mm. wonder how that affects the dynamic in itself too. It's just all interesting stuff. Yeah, the anthropology, like just studying the human effects and the ripple effects of all the change will be super interesting. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, as far as the differences in virtual versus reality, piqued my interest on the courtroom. Have you been doing, obviously, most of your court hearings and or uh, interactions with the court system virtually? And what are your thoughts on that? Has it been positive? Has it been like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till we all are back in the courtroom? So it's a little bit of both. So we have been doing, everything's been virtual. They've been using Microsoft Teams. So that's, you know, they don't, they don't use Zoom. I'm not sure exactly why, but so it's Microsoft Teams, which at least on my computer are very, very tiny squares, which makes it Mm. harder as opposed to for whatever reason, Zoom seems bigger on my computer. But yeah, it's been challenging. I mean, you know, there are some good things and bad things to it. Like the good thing is, you know, when we used to go into court, it would be, you know, I'd be in there for three or four hours and, you know, and you'd be billing your client that entire time. And so, and you'd be billing for the transportation to and from. So, I mean, mm. and now like court appearances are literally 24 minutes or literally, you know, 13 minutes, like whatever mm. it is, it's not, you don't have that beginning where you just kind of are waiting around. And so it's been much more efficient from a client perspective. The bad mm. thing about it is that, you know, many of your cases settle in the court, you know, in the lobby of the courthouse. And so you're losing that opportunity hmm. to have real conversations with people because you're everything's sitting there with the judge sitting there. A lot of times, you know, judges were great. They would take you in the back and to their chambers and you would sit and you'd really be able to settle a case, you know, and then, you know, kind of go back and forth and talk to your client and come back. And, you know, it was that, hmm. that's how cases settled. That doesn't exist now. And the other thing that's very difficult is like, you can't speak to your client. Like I was just on, I was in a court date the other day and my client was saying things he shouldn't have been saying. And I would normally be kicking him under the table and I'm texting him (laughs) furiously being like, stop it, stop it, stop it. But like, he can't even really look down because if he looks down, the judge says, why are you looking at your phone? And Mm -hmm. like, it was so bad. (laughs) It was like one of those things where I was like, this is killing me right now. I can't get my client to stop. And no matter how many glares I gave him, like he wasn't picking up on them. And honestly, everyone else would have been seeing them too. So that was very, very challenging. And, you know, normally there, that's where the human interaction helps. Like if I could give a nice kick via zoom, that would be great. (laughs) There was a kick. Yeah. Like mute, (laughs) mute it, mute your, uh, your client or, or, well, actually, uh, yeah. I have a funny mute story though. And these are the kind of things where it is good. Like, so I was a mediator and I had clients that were just, I mean, screaming at each other over Zoom. And the Mm. great thing was I could mute them. So like (laughs) every time that he would start, you know, the husband would start screaming, you know, and going to a place I knew was going to go bad, I would mute him. Mm. And I did the same thing to the wife. And that was like, this is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) That's hilarious. That was really fun. They didn't particularly care for it. But then at the end, I was like, you know what? I just saved you so much time and money because if I didn't mute you, we would have been spending another hour talking about something that wasn't productive and moving us forward. So totally. they, they ultimately appreciated it. But yeah. at the moment, they were just like, all you see is the animated screaming, but you don't hear anything. <laughs> That's so funny. That's hilarious. That's great. And I'm curious what it's going to be like in, you know, 10, 20 years where, you know, I bet there'll be like, Teams specific, like Microsoft Teams specific software that's for court systems 
that it kind yeah. of allows, because like you mentioned four or five, you know, real negative downsides to virtual, right? Not having the ability to kind of, you know, have a sidebar with, with your client or the judge or, or whatnot. I don't know if I got the terminology right there, but essentially yeah, no, you're, good. <laughs> you're not, uh, you're not able to have all these different interactions. You have a very kind of monolithic, just, you know, one type of interaction over zoom or teams. And so I'm curious how these platforms will adapt to allow for more of that. I know Zoom has like breakout rooms where you can, you know, have a right. you know, one-off session with somebody, but, yeah, but even judges that aren't, still, judges aren't doing that. <laughs> I bet they're not. Yeah. It makes, I, I could see, I could see they wouldn't be for, for lots of reasons. So curious right. to see how those platforms adapt for all those reasons. And then uh, the mute, the mute story is great. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Tell me about just changing gears a little bit. Tell me about a specific tool that is kind of like the lifeblood of your practice, whether it's Zoom or maybe it's your practice management software or file storage. What's one tool where you're just like, man, whenever I use this, I just, yeah, I just, it's, it's super helpful and um, is really just helps our organization be much more efficient. I mean, it has to be Zoom. Like that, that really has been like the lifeline because if we didn't have that from a cultural standpoint, it would have been so awful. Like talking on the mm -hmm. phone, first of all, beyond, you know, and this you're seeing a lot too, it's like when you have group, a lot of people on a phone call, it's very hard. You know, you never know when someone's done talking or not mm -hmm. because you can't read their body language. So like people are constantly talking over each other, which I think happens on Zoom to some degree too, but sure. less so yeah. when you can watch someone. Like you see their mouth, you see they're about to say something as opposed to on the phone, you can't tell. And so I actually just tried doing a mediation session on the phone the other day because, you know, I'm so anti-Zoom and it was a disaster. And I was like, and I, I was, I couldn't believe it was coming out of my mouth. I was the one who said, listen, I think next time we have to do this on Zoom because <laughs> it's just too hard to read, you know, and, and as I said, and then especially when you, you know, again, we're dealing with people that are, you know, already having, you know, a hostility, obviously they're yeah. getting divorced. So like the feeling of being cut off, the feeling of people talking over each other. I mean, it's a very you know, it's a big symbol to them of not being heard, which is a hard mm. thing in any divorce process. But, you know, when you add the technology challenges to it, you know, that's a problem also. And, you know, the other thing that, you know, it. Yeah. it totally does. And, and the stress that I think has come with this too, um, you know, and Zoom has been better than Teams is that, you know, in all these court appearances, going back to that for a minute, they, you know, there's always someone having technological problems. So there's always someone mm. that all you see is their nose or the top of their head. And like, it's just like, there's constant... Totally. You know, the big joke, you know, and I know that people have talked about this is like the, you know, the line of 2020 is like, you're on mute, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so I think that, you know, those are the challenges, but I feel like we've mastered a lot of it. And then to answer your question specifically, like the only, I think we could have done probably if we didn't have any other, you know, technology, Zoom would have to have been the one we would have definitely needed and still do. Love it. Couldn't agree more. You mentioned expanding into a new office and you have international clients. Was that, uh, that happen post or after the pandemic started? Or was that, have you always, you know, thought about, hey, let's expand? And I guess the real driving question is, since the pandemic, have you expanded your, your geographic reach because of technology tools? So I've always had international clients. You know, I'm not sure if I have more or less now, but that that has always been something I, I have had. I do feel like I've definitely, it feels like I have more now, but that may or may not even be true. I just feel like maybe I have more at the same time. So it feels like a lot. So, I mean, that that's not been as much of an issue. What has been interesting from, you know, being able to be virtual is that, you know, I definitely, I personally have not done this, but a lot of attorneys in my office have been taking cases further upstate New York, like, you know, basically mm -hmm. with an attitude of, I mean, we can only practice in New York, but with an attitude of like, it doesn't really matter anymore. 
And, you know, we are expanding into Long Island. That's something I had thought about doing for a while. I do think that technology is going to make it easier. But, you know, one person we're considering having join, she's in a lease and she might not be able to get out for a year or two. And mm. she asked me if that would be a problem. And I said, you know, if this was two years ago, I would say, yeah, like come to me when your lease is over because I want everyone under the same roof. But now I was like, you know, in a weird way, it doesn't really matter. Mm. And I was like, you know, you can still join us and be part of the firm because, you know, especially because the New York office, I mean, the Westchester office right now is open. And in the Long Island will probably be open because a lot of the suburbs are going in. But, mm. you know, for New York City, I was like, it won't matter. You'll be in the same boat that we'll be in. Like, it, it really doesn't matter. And because now I do see a situation even going forward when we're all together, there will be people that will be virtual and there will be people that, you know, are going to be working from home sometimes and not. And, you know, there's just a lot that's going to be going on. So I'm always going to have to have a virtual element of this to keep everybody together. So I do think that it, it has opened the doors to us in some way to do things in a way that will hopefully be um, more seamless going forward. Very cool. Love it. And yeah, a term that I've either heard be kind of tossed around is location agnostic. And um, <laughs> especially since, you know, the the pandemic and the ability just to, it doesn't really matter. You know, people are looking for, can you provide value? And I think uh, we we work in a relationship driven industry, and and obviously, so do law firms, and so does your firm. So there's there's a there's a a more challenging dynamic of that where you know people are we're building trust and we're building relationships with people. That being said, though, if you can provide a better outcome than somebody locally, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. We've our organizations only expanded um, in so many ways. We're serving clients all across the country now because people are like, hey, we need IT help or cybersecurity help. And it's been pretty cool that we've been able to expand and everything's cloud-based. It's much easier to serve them and so on and so forth. I do want to dive a little bit deeper into your team, uh, kind of going back to some of our first questions there. Uh, do you plan on having, I know you said at least you're going to have some sort of hybrid and I know you're, you're still wrestling, but do you plan on having like, you know, monthly get togethers or quarterly get togethers with your team, um, assuming everyone's virtual and bringing people into the office for kind of team building activities? Have, have those conversations been happening well we have now. once a month we do have and actually we have one today we have a firm happy hour where you know so that way because a lot That's of my fun. meetings are attorneys and you know the staff still has a meeting every week i only go to one of them a month because i realize they want to talk about the attorneys so they didn't want me there so i go once a month and the attorneys go you know, we have an attorney one and then once a month we have the entire firm, you know, and, and when we add more people, I mean, one of the things you also talk about with Zoom is every all the boxes get smaller and smaller, <laughs> the more people mm. you add to the call. Yeah, good point. But we will be having that. Um, and that is something I will, I do see continuing going forward, even if we're all sitting together in the same office, I think, again, because we have the different offices, you know, in different locations. I, you know, my attitude is we can all sit together and be on the screen together to the extent, or you can be in your own office. Like I, I don't kind of care. Like I'm definitely going to want to keep that as a virtual thing to keep the culture of the other offices together. I love it. Yeah. The whole hybrid, I think actually being in person or being completely virtual, both of those scenarios are pretty, pretty seamless to execute after the investments we've made in technology. What's going to be real challenging is the hybrid is how do you, you know, you have a conference room of 20 people that are that are in person, but then you also have 20 people that are, you know, logging in virtually. So I'm, I'm curious to see and I don't know if you've, you know, if you guys have already been investing in, in equipment or tools. Yeah, how do you capture 20 people in person and also 20 people virtually and bring them all together? That is going to be the real challenge. And I think in the next five to 10 years of how do we have best of both worlds? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you know, like my I was joking to one of my partners about it because we bought everyone laptops 
And mm. so, and some people desktops, but the laptops, I was like, I, I was like, are we all going to sit in our conference room and our individual laptops, like zooming together? Like, I just, <laughs> like I'm trying to like visual, I mean, we've also grown to a degree that we probably wouldn't all fit in a conference room mm. together. And the other issue is that, you know, even if we would fit, you know, the comfort level that people are going to have, you know, that's the other question, sure. like how comfortable are people going to be sitting so close to, I mean, I think at some point they're going to have to be, but are we all going to be masked? And then how does that meaning and how does that impact your culture? Yeah. And so there's just so much that goes to it. I mean, we did all meet at one point and I will schedule something. We all met in Central Park in New York one so day. Cool. Um, yeah. Which was really nice. And, you know, everybody was outside. Mm. So there was, there was less stress. Um, and I, I do want to you know, like plan something else come the spring just to see everybody you know because again there are certain people that have never seen each other which is mm. just crazy to me that you're working the way that you're working and you know in my firm we've been together I mean I've been with a firm for 20 years my partners have been with me for 10 15 we you wow. know my associates everyone's grown up together like we're very very close so this has been cool. a huge hit to not see each other all the time but it seems to be working relatively well I mean obviously there is you want more of that culture building but yeah, just yeah. high level or even deeper from your perspective. Has it worked this past, you know, the, the great experiment these past 13, right. 13 months or so? I think considering what like happens, yes, I think I think we have been really fortunate because mm -hmm. again, you know, we didn't all get to, you know, we used to get together once a month and I would do this, you know, firm review kind of thing. But now we've put together, we have something called a town hall once a month where you know, you all just kind of, we all get to, all the attorneys get together and we talk about issues in our cases. And that mm. has been an amazing experience. And like I say all the time, mm. it's the best thing that came out of COVID because it has given, you know, first of all, great opportunity for us all to bounce things around, which we really just didn't have the time to do or didn't do, um, or didn't maybe even didn't think to do before. And everybody's dedicated to it because it's one hour of the day and they know this is the time that everybody sees each other. So, you know, you're not, people aren't scheduling court dates during it. Like they know when this is, and I give the dates out, you know, months in advance and it's, you know, people are sacred to it and it's great. And it's also really nice because the younger attorneys who aren't getting to know all of us exactly the same way that they may have, they're mm -hmm. seeing that you can have, you know, we deal with complex issues. We deal in the high net worth space. So there's a lot of complex issues and it's nice to see that, we all have different answers to different questions. I mean, to the same question. And I think that's important to be able to see different perspectives mm -hmm. and they're getting so val such value out of that. And then one day we do a firm happy one year. I mean, one week we do this firm happy hour, which again, we're doing, and we're doing questions of like, you know, actually our question today is what do you miss the most of the office? But our last question, you know, that everybody goes around says like, what was the one lie that your parents told you or you told your kids? <laughs> you know, like we're trying oh, to be like it. fun and like, okay. Getting it's, to know people in a way that you probably, event? that's for the firm's happy hour, yeah. Okay. They, like we're cool. trying, you know, and then we have a speaker that comes in, like we're doing things that we just mm. would like to, we would have, before this, we would have said, that's a great idea. Probably wouldn't have done it. We would have talked about it every week and said, we should definitely do it, definitely do it. And then just not. But because of this, we did do it and it was important. And I just think that it's, it has really benefited our culture. And so I, I feel very fortunate for that but I do miss my people. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. You really piqued my interest on the town hall. And I think our, our listeners will really benefit. Tell me about that format. Cause it sounds like it was super beneficial for your organization. Tell me about your monthly town hall you do. What's the format. And then how do you kind of create that, that collaboration and getting people to, to open up and talk about the cases they're working on? I have to give credit to one of my partners, my partner, Jessica, she's the one who came up with the idea. Um, cause she had a question and, you know, a lot of times people will send emails around to everyone, but you can't really, you know, mm -hmm. you know, when we have, you know, 17 attorneys in the, in the firm, like you, you don't want to get like 17 responses, like to, you know, in the back and forth, it's crazy. So what ends up happening is that if somebody has a specific 
you know, issue in a case or something like that, they may, they'll email Jessica in advance saying, I have an issue. And then when we're there, okay. I mean, it's, it's actually pretty casual, which is also the nice thing about it. Um, but whoever it is will say, you know, Jessica will say, oh, you know, Barry said he had an issue. So Barry will tell the facts of his case. And then we all just chime in and we say, but, you know, you could do this and you could do that. And, what, and, and like, sometimes there's back and forth between us. Like we had a really interesting issue last time, you know, and I was, you know, me and one of the attorneys were like, but I think you should look at this and what happened to this. And I had a case that, you know, it was like so nice for, you know, and, and I reached out to my younger associates after and said, you know, I really want you to take value. And like, you know, we've both been doing this for 20 plus years. And yet you can, now you see why people argue, you know, you see why you have to, because I think the only way you settle a case is to understand the other person's perspective. And so I said, in that situation, did you see where I was coming from? Did you see where they were coming from? I mean, we ultimately resolved it, which I thought was also a nice way to like, watch how that happens. Like neither of us left our points, but we came up with a compromise and it's just been a fantastic exercise. And I think, you know, look again, part of this whole COVID experience can feel very, very isolating. And mm. I think, being able to kind of create this environment and, you know, and obviously, you know, we, as I said, we've been together for so long, it's a very, feels very safe as an environment and we're all very jokey and, you know, and I think it's also nice for the newer people to see the dynamic between us and see like who we make fun of and who we're a little careful about and like, you know, just watch yeah. the dynamics and, and, you know, there's a lot of laughing on it, but, you know, you Super really cool. get to yeah. talk it through. It's, it's been, that is like, I would recommend that to everyone and anyone. I think it's amazing from a culture perspective. I think it's also really important from a, like, I can't watch everyone's cases in the same way. I can't, I'm not having mm -hmm. the, you know, the organic, let's walk to the bathroom and tell me what's going on with your case, or let's walk to the kitchen and get a cup of coffee. You don't have that. Mm -hmm. And everything's like a purposeful call. And, and to be honest, my schedule is crazy. And so I'm always willing to talk to people, but they have to be booked in. And so this gives the opportunity of like, you know, Jacqueline, I know you have this one issue on this case, like, let's talk about it. And, you know, every, everyone knows that hour I'm dedicated to whatever's going on at the time. So I love it. I think it's a great I thing. I, yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, well, I would love to organ, uh, implement something similar for our organization. And that sounds like a super cool format. So it's an hour long. Jessica, basically everyone <laughs> sends their issues to Jessica and then Jessica organizes yeah. it. And then she says, okay, this person has this issue and then everyone she doesn't even actually in. talk the issue out all they have to do they don't they don't even have to tell her what they use they just say i have something i want to talk about at the town okay. hall and so they bring so it's, it up. it's it's even yeah she doesn't even get as involved in it it's really you know because you want you want the person who's talking about it to present the idea you don't want it filtered you want them to kind of mm -hmm. come in you know and sometimes i'll say someone did that the other day and they came in with a bias that was so apparent and i was like you do realize how much you're siding with your client right now even the way you describe the scenario <laughs> mm -hmm. you know and to do that and they were just like but they were so involved you know look this is an emotional charged field and so yeah. you know when i said that she was like you're so right <laughs> she's like but she's like but the wife's so awful i was like that may be i was like but just recognize but, the way that yeah. you're seeing this like even off the bat you know, and so, and just even be able to get that kind of feedback. Wow. That's super cool. Yeah. I think there's so many things there, just that collaboration and that, and that ability, like, like you mentioned, getting, getting everyone in, into one room uh, for an hour was, was basically impossible, right? Yeah. Is, and maybe it will be impossible moving forward just because of schedules and just how much time that requires, but to have a healthy format that you can collaborate virtually and have that dialogue is just gold. And obviously you've found it super, super instrumental. Thanks so much yeah. for sharing. I love that idea. Cool. Uh, we're running short here on time. So I'm gonna wrap it up with one last question. It's around cybersecurity and combating cybersecurity. You mentioned a couple things like multi-factor authentication and cybersecurity insurance. What other things 
Um, have you found that's like, hey, either your IT provider or your IT manager said, hey, we need to implement, you know, these two other things in the past, you know, year or two that you've implemented that you're like, hey, this is this it seems to be super important. What were those things and, and why did you implement them? So one thing we did is antivirus on like, not only just like, you know, whatever firm laptop, like everything you have that ever touches anything, like your home computer that your kids are using, whatever it is, we put antivirus on everything. Um, Cause the concern is that now you're, you know, the likelihood of you grabbing your kid's laptop and maybe sending a quick, whatever, mm. just maybe it's more nervous. So we've done mm. a lot of that. You know, the other thing we did, which, you know, I'm, I don't know if I thought it was the greatest thing, but it, it was definitely something that I thought was important. We've had a few people that have fallen for some of these, you know, go buy us some Amazon cards or whatever mm. it is on yeah. um, those scams. We have, we've yep. had one or two people fall for things like that. And so we hired a company, I can't remember the name of it right now, that, was sending out kind of fake spams like that to see who they could catch um, with the idea of being that not to say that someone's going to get into trouble, but then to have the conversation of, look, this was something that, you know, looked really great, but it wasn't. And so mm. we were trying to really kind of teach people that because that's the other scary thing, you know, we're now, I mean, we've always been reliant, but now it's a, I think just to such a higher level that you need to make sure people aren't falling for scams. And they aren't doing things that could really jeopardize your entire system. I love it. Both of those things, antivirus, um, especially on personal equipment. You know, I think since everyone's working remotely, or a lot of organizations are, yeah, people are using personal equipment now more than ever, which is just a huge uh, liability and security risk. And um, so, kudos. You mentioned earlier, you bought everyone laptops. That's awesome because right. uh, everyone should be using company-owned equipment and exclusively using that. Right. And then in the rare occasion that they don't for, for whatever emergency or, or whatnot, having antivirus on everything else. And then, yeah, the phishing, phishing scams is kind of what that category is called right. uh, where people are you know sending out fake emails to get you to click on something or respond to something. And we implement something similar for our clients. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's the whole idea is get people to think before they click. Right. And um, because there's just so many, I think it's, one in every 4,000 emails that are sent globally is a phishing scam, right? So, oh, wow. and it's just, yeah, crazy amount. If you think about, you know, that on a scale of the billions of emails that are sent, there's a lot of them out there that are fake. And so being vigilant to think before you click is super important. Great. Jacqueline, thanks so much for joining us. It's been super interesting talking to you and I've learned a lot myself and taken a lot of notes that uh, we'll take back to my organization and recommend to our clients. You've been listening to the Best Tech Practices for Small Organizations podcast presented by NW Techs. To learn more about NW Techs and how we help small organizations tackle IT and cybersecurity challenges, please visit us at nwtechs.com. Thanks again, Jacqueline. Thank you.